and welcome back to the Elite Football Show. My name is Hayder and I'm your host as usual today. I've got a fantastic guest. This guy with me today, probably one of the first people that ever came on my podcast that wasn't my brother's. He's an absolutely top guy. He's someone I have huge respect for. He's also someone who's got some very exciting announcements coming up. I'm not going to not going to say them because obviously that is top secret but make sure you keep it keep your eyes peeled for that his name is Robbie Fraser or a lot of you'll know him as United Speaks Robbie it's been a minute hasn't it mate but it's quality to have you back on the podcast how are you doing and it's nice to actually see your face because we've done a lot of podcasts haven't we just audio so yeah it's good to put a face to a name yeah it's great to be on for the first time on the new setup um from from you what is this the uh, Red Devils talk yeah so yeah the name well this is it's it's funny because when we did it we were premier league trio and uh used to always do a match review with me and it was good fun but yeah it's exciting mate just to change it up a bit just have a few different shows with different names um elite football show obviously has been the main thing so it's absolute quality mate but um how are you doing today yeah well obviously united i know it's not been amazing but I'm actually feeling quite good because Scotland won and they're winning so far. So I've got no complaints over this week, but last week I want to completely write it off and move on and talk about the Newcastle game coming up. Oh, mate, <clears throat> I've had to take a, I've taken a week or two off. It's been about two weeks, hasn't it, really, off football completely. I just uh, didn't want to watch anything. Hardest defeat I've ever had to watch. We've been beaten by City before with that scoreline, but losing in that way to that team to that manager it all just culminated in that's what made it worse so that's what we're going to do today we're going to talk about Newcastle because that's the game we got on the weekend and Robbie's going to do an amazing preview with me before we get going make sure you hit the like button hit the subscribe button check us out as well our audio versions are on Spotify Apple Podcasts you name it there's like eight platforms I can't reel them off but it's elite football show so make sure you check that out and make sure you give Robbie a follow as well we'll put his uh, is that handle in the description below it's United Speaks I think it's an underscore isn't it Robbie's uh, but yeah. we'll put that in the bottom without further ado Robbie let's just talk about Maguire first because oh, it's just a lot been spoken about him I did a mental health podcast as you've probably seen uh yesterday we discussed mental health but we actually touched on Maguire not to speculate on what's going on because we don't have all the information but sent off against England uh, sorry for England against Denmark it's a real concern now isn't it because he just doesn't look quite right and Ollie's got a big decision to make yeah so I did watch a uh, parts here mental health podcast but I didn't obviously manage to grab uh, the, the, the full video but I got the overall um like aim of the video um and Maguire uh, that's what I was actually going to talk about um for coming on that Maguire, I would, I would still start Maguire. I feel as if we've got, well, for starters, we've got no one else, really. Bailly just isn't fit enough. And if he does play, really, he'll probably come off by the 60th minute. And then you look at Lindelof, I'd probably play him next to him, but he's still not amazing either. I would look. I mean, I think me and you both both know what we wanted was a new centre-back in the window. Upa Meccano, wasn't it? That's yeah. that's the one we were both... We, we've spoken about this a lot, haven't we? Upa Meccano, Koulibaly was also available. Let's be honest, City didn't go yeah. for him. There was options out there. And yeah. the club went and spent close to £40 million probably on on young Pellistri, Amad Traore, who's not going to come till January. Again, fantastic talents. 
Cavani's coming in as well. I'm I'm looking forward to Cavani. I know we we can maybe have a little chat about him later because I know we disagree on the, the seven shirt. But uh, yeah, looking at the defense then. So you would start Maguire because the way I'm thinking about it, three at the back, put Shaw at left centre back. I want to see Tellers play. Whether he's ready or not is besides the point. United need to get him starting. He needs to play. Start him at wing back. I would drop Maguire just because he doesn't look right. It's difficult though. Slim pickings, isn't it? Lindelof. She'd probably start him. He's an old play pool, but yeah. and probably by Axel, I know he's playing for the 23, so he needs to get his fitness up. I mean, would you chuck Mengi in? You've been talking about Mengi, and this yeah. is the thing, actually. I'll give you a lot of credit here. You've been talking about Mengi since what April when we were doing podcasts. Yeah, I've been talking about him since he's been in the youth system, and um, I mean, I think you could tell he's kind of the same build as uh, Axel Tanzibe and. He's got a, I think he's got a lot going for him. Um, personally, he's strong, big, he played for England. Um, I just don't understand why we wouldn't give him a shot whenever players like Rashford, Rashford um, Greenwood, even Chong and Gomez and Garner got, got an opportunity. So I don't see why um, Mengi won't, um, why they're too scared to start him. That's kind of what it looks like to me, especially whenever... Um, Especially whenever you look at Lindelof, who's clearly out of form and can't suit um, Maguire's play style. Um, I feel as if Mengi or Tuanzibe are probably our best bets because Bailly's always injured and pretty unreliable. So I'd basically get rid of him um, in the next window. But as I said, fingers crossed, bring in a new uh, player in January. But as of the game uh, at the weekend against Newcastle, um, I do believe it will be Maguire and Lindelof, but personally, what, what I would uh, go for, I, I don't think I would go for what you said, uh, the five at the back. I don't think Shaw is good enough, really, anywhere. I'd say um, Alex Telles, I did see him, uh, photos of him today uh, at the hotel, uh, the club hotel. So yeah, it does, the Lowry, wasn't it? I uh, saw those as well. If he'll be involved uh, in the game. But then you look elsewhere at um, Maguire. I mean, I know he had an absolute shocker um, for England against Denmark, but we've not got anyone better. And he, he can play 30-plus games a year, so I would still back him along with Lindelof. There's not much else we can do. Um, yeah, probably I would choose Menge, but we need, to, we need to just be realistic and think what would Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do? That is the question, isn't it? it? The problem is, okay, so the way I see it with with the kids, and this is the last thing we'll talk about Maguire because we've got to talk about other stuff, but when I talk about sort of Mengi, let's say I say Mengi and then I say Rashford, my sort of thought process on it is that it's much easier to chuck a kid in who can play in the forward positions. How many centre-backs do you really see? I'll let, actually, I'll let you answer this question, but how many centre-backs do you actually see that come in at such a young age? Maybe Varane? Real Madrid is the only one I can think of. It's a position where you need to play a bit more. You maybe bloom a bit later. That's why you see defenders actually have more longevity in their career because they're a lot smarter. I feel like with a young player, you can chuck him in on the wing and I think it wouldn't let you down as much. But as centre-back, there's so much responsibility. I think it's not necessarily Oli's fault, as we both agree on it. The biggest issue is the fact that United are pinning all their hopes onto Nzebi. It's quite obvious what they're doing. They're thinking, right, because I think if he can keep fit, he's United's best centre-back. I think he's, he can be better than Maguire. I'm, you know I've never been the biggest Maguire fan. I didn't really want him when we signed him. Too many flaws to his game. But put a good part next to him, I think you get a better player. With Mengi, again, the pressure's on him because 
you're you're you myself and you we understand young player but fans don't have that patience not everyone has the patience that we have and you chuck him in and the way that ollie spoke about him saying he can be on the licks level of uh, sort of potential that never helps now you're seeing fans say oh, i'll bring mengi in but if mengi has a bad game the fans will be on him his confidence will be shot you know where i'm going with this yeah it's going back to your point where you said um i can't really see like any other defender who can just jump into a team and do it who's very young the reason why I, I thought Mengi back in, um, it probably was about March or April time, why I thought he probably could go into the team straight away was whenever we saw uh, Tanganga for uh, Spurs. And I remember seeing the, the team sheet, the Liverpool Spurs team sheet. I think Liverpool did still win, but he was their best player, Spurs' best player. I remember seeing the team sheet and I was like, what are they doing? And I was like, why don't we not then give... Mengi go because really uh, we've been crying out for a centre half um, right from January last I say January about 10 years we've been crying out for another centre half we finally got Maguire who I know you weren't happy about but yeah I mean, he's still an improvement we know that he's still an improvement I would agree yeah yeah he's still an improvement on what we had I mean I don't think it was too hard to beat the levels that were at just uh, previously but um, yeah, I, I just wish that Mengi obviously could um, hopefully break into the team uh, at, at least some stage during this season because he does deserve it and he's a hard worker and he's played for England at every single level. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, look, the last thing I'm probably going to say on this is that it's kind of an indictment on how bad United's options are at the fact that Maguire clearly... Look, there's two ways you can look at it. You can say he needs to play through this, but I think this is beyond football i can't go and say he's got mental health problems that's not what i'm saying i'm but what i'm saying is he's clearly not right he needs maybe a rest taking out the limelight this is man united biggest club in the world he's captain most expensive center back all these things added up together so i i think that shows united don't have the options i mean in an ideal world we see twins xavier mengi and just think go on lads go and play but it's not gonna happen i think Maguire will start as well I think we'll probably go to a back four. I think surely on the left. I don't think Tellez will start. But uh, let's talk about the striker, Robbie, because Martial's out. Atrocious. Don't want to talk about what happened with Lamella. It was shocking. But um, I can't believe Lamella got away with it. <laughs> clever. And Mourinho would have told him to do that. He knows Martial. He knows Martial reacted. United's team doesn't have enough streetwise edge. And that's why I'm quite happy about Cavani. So obviously Cavani's not playing. He's, uh, I believe that he has to quarantine, doesn't he, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And so without Martial, that's why I would have gone with a back three. I would have looked at Rashford. I probably looked at Greenwood and thought, right, play two up top. But the problem is that that role requires, if you see when Oli's played it successfully, that's why he's played Dan James there, because whatever anyone thinks about Dan James, I, mean, I don't think he's good enough right now. Will he ever be good enough? He needs to develop his game probably away from United on a loan. But he what he did fantastically well is he worked his socks off, didn't he? He completely just bossed those channels in between the the centre back and the fullback, and he exposed them. He used his pace. He worked tirelessly. He stretched the centre backs out wide, and we used to play through at the back. He did it with him and Rashford. Did it with Van Dijk. They split like this, and then it was Pereira. Unfortunately, he used to play through the middle, almost like a like a false nine. That's possibly something we could do with Bruno Fernandez because I think that's obviously an upgrade. But looking at a striker position, would you be pushing towards playing Greenwood as a lone striker? 
fully well knowing that we don't really have a right winger after that, it'd probably be Lingard or Dan James, or would you be looking to play that two up top? Yeah, we're in a really tough situation just now. I, I expected Cavani just to come in, um, which also I don't understand uh, how, like, if you're in a um, tested environment, I know actually Cavani wasn't really because we, we didn't have a club at the point, but certain players can't just go straight into the team, even though they're in a tested environment where um, they, they get tested every couple of days, every week, whatever, um, to make sure, obviously, it doesn't get passed through the squad. But, um, yeah, I, I feel as if, well, honestly, you've not mentioned the name, but I think it'll be a gallo. I think, I think he'll start up front. Um, not that I want him to start up front, but I could imagine it happening because Rashford out wide, yeah, probably on the left. I, honestly, I do think as well that Dan James is better on the left. Rather yeah, than, he is. He plays too far wide on the right, but at least on the left, he's got the ability to cut inside and... I know it's still always in a Rashford, but we're in dire straits just now and uh, we've got a lot going on. So hopefully we'll be able to get through this game. And yeah, I do think it will be a gallo, but if I had to choose, it would be Greenwood. But obviously on the right flank as well, because we missed out on Sancho, who, as you know, um, I've, I really love Sancho. I think he would obviously have been the perfect player to bring in this summer. Um, but yeah, I suppose we're going to need to deal with Greenwood out wide, who's obviously... I think a generational talent, but he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders just now. So, yeah, I think he should stick with the consistency out wide with Greenwood. And I do think it will be a gallo going down the middle. And hopefully there'll be like a Donny van der Beek um, in, the in the like kind of centre-forward role, where gallo can at least bounce off someone um, in that position. Yeah, you make some good points about Greenwood. Something I will say about Greenwood, generational, phenomenal talent. But he's not the finished article. And that's why we were both saying you needed to bring Sancho in. I know Sancho's only a couple of years older, but Sancho's played two and a half seasons in Germany, played Champions League football. He's developed beyond, beyond what Greenwood has. What I'm concerned about is that Greenwood playing a full season, no matter how good you are, not everyone's Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney at the age of 18 was just out of this world. We know this. And he was on another level. And that's why I always say Wayne Rooney is the best teenager I've ever seen. Messi was up, obviously, was incredible. But Wayne Rooney was just on another level. And what I'm concerned about with Greenwood is you're going to overplay him because there's not many options there. I think that's why Palestri is going to have to be someone, again, a lot of pressure on this young lad. Very talented. I've spoken to South American journalist uh, Simon Edwards. Make sure, you guys, you check that out if you haven't watched that yet. It's a great, just a 25-minute video, but it's a really great insight to him. I mean, he, I expect him to get some first-team minutes. But again, two really young guys at a club the size of Man United is very concerning. One of Greenwood's things he needs to work on, and look, this comes with age. You can't expect an 18-year-old to be this complete. No one is. But his work rate tracking back, him and Rashford both didn't do that enough against Spurs. And that's why I feel like we all know this. His, his future is at number nine because I think he doesn't have that natural instinct to think what's behind me now you talk about Igalo. i completely forgot about him <laughs> crazily i just completely forgot he'd even he right. was even he was even playing yeah i just, forgot. Yeah. I just um, forgot but i just look I, this I is that, i got that off you that you completely forgot about him and I, I shove yeah. he hasn't great no and he's not been recently since really since um the break 
uh, of coronavirus uh, whenever there was no football over that period of time. But yeah, I, I, can you think that as well, that you, um, possibly Ole will just maybe go with him down the middle and have guys... I don't think he trusts him. I just, you know, I don't think he's as bad as, as he's looked. Like you said, he hasn't had minutes. And this is one of the things I... I probably see. Look, the other thing is Mata plays on the right, which you've completely forgot about. Which I, which I wouldn't be against. But my problem is that, and we might as well bring Donny into this now. Donny has to start. Well, however way you look at it, he deserves to start. And I think Oli will have a serious problem. I th- not necessarily. I don't think Van der Beek will kick off. But you got you got to remember, Oli's a brilliant man manager. And that's what he's done fantastically well. But I'm not sure he's handling the Van der Beek situation the way I'd want him to. Every time he's played, he's performed. We know Pogba's had COVID. Pogba has not played well enough. If you're not rewarding him now and letting him start, especially with the players that are unavailable, that doesn't send a good message to Van der Beek. It's difficult. We knew this was going to be a problem when Van der Beek... It's a good problem to have. You've got options now. But... Whatever United do, Van der Beek has to start, doesn't he, with Bruno midfield and probably Fred or Matic, one of the two. I'd be resting Pogba. Yeah, I, I can't believe that Donny van der Beek um, really hasn't got the minutes for United yet and he's been the best player most games that he's actually played with. And I, I, I don't know what he's going through all his head because he, he, I think man management, as you said, he's a great manager and... It did seem as if he really wanted Van der Beek, but I'm guessing he must have wanted to try and bring him in week by week into the squad. But hopefully this will be the week where now he's come back for an international break, get a goal for Holland as well. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't start him, especially with Paul for him in the league uh, recently. He's been abysmal. And the way that um, he's played for France, yes, it is an upgrade. Still not amazing. Possibly, yeah, he does need a week off. So I would bring in Donny van der Beek into Pogba's role. Um, and Bruno, I mean, that news about Bruno at the weekend from a certain man, a certain journalist, was quite crazy. And it was great. I, I thought that showing exactly the kind of player that we've got in the attacking midfield role, it was... He basically, I, I don't know if you saw this one, he, he basically came out and said, oh, no, it was not me. I did not say this. Yeah, and I saw that this morning. I tweeted about it. Yeah, it was it was great the way he done it, and hopefully that will give me that momentum. May say I want to play for all. It does seem like he does want to, and um, fingers crossed he will be back in the team for the weekend because obviously Ronaldo got um, coronavirus, and I did see quite a lot of news about that saying um, that he could possibly miss out. Um, for the game against Newcastle. Yeah, I saw a similar thing. What I will say on Bruno Fernandes, form has not been good enough. I don't think he's playing in the right position, to be honest. I think his he excels as actually as a number eight. When I spoke to a Portuguese journalist, he said that his best position is number eight. He affects the game, obviously, as number 10. I've got something in my eye. So if I'm blinking, guys, I'm not crying about Bruno. I've got something in my eye. Um, You're not no. crying. No, I'm not crying. I'm not crying at the fact that uh, Bruno could be. Well, I probably will cry if I find out that Bruno can't play for these very, very key fixtures that we've got coming up. What I will say on Bruno, we obviously know which journalist said it. I've actually spoken to this journalist a few times. I mean, I was trying to get him on the podcast, so I have had a back and forth. Look, I don't want to discredit anyone's sources because you got to remember, 
around the negotiating table, remember we were hearing stuff about from Fabrizio, let's say with the Sancho saga, about how personal times weren't a problem because his source is an agent. So you look at, for example, the clubs, let's say Jamie Jackson came on my podcast, his source is a club. So everyone has different sources. It doesn't mean anyone is wrong, but they're in diff their perspectives are different. So, and by the way, I think everything that was said about Bruno was absolute nonsense. And I tweeted that when I heard it because it's just so, it's so typical, isn't it? Edward Wood, Ollie struggling, take the heat off him because they had a, we had a poor window. Uh, they didn't deliver. The board were taking some heat. So what do they do? Something gets leaked. And I don't think Bruno has an issue with Oli. I don't think he doesn't want to play for Oli. No, no, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think Bruno would say. I, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, I think um, he did get subbed off against Spurs because he, he was hated at half-time. But, I mean, that shows the drive he's got to succeed rather than not backing a manager, which... Yeah, it doesn't add up to me. Um, that what I like about Bruno is that I don't want to bring this about Pogba and Bruno because I hate when fans do that. They do it about Martial and Rashford. It's just nonsense and no other fan base does it. But what I love about Bruno's comments is that you just have to mirror the two comments. Pogba's comments by Real and Bruno's comments about that. Bruno just said it how it was straight in the sand. And I, I did criticise Pogba and I, I, lo I love Pogba. You know I do. We spoke yeah. about Pogba at length and i don't want to talk about him today but what i love about bruno is that he just completely shut everything down that's it done it's come from the horse's mouth that's it pogba has had many opportunities on international break to say i'm not going to answer these questions i'm happy united that's it you cannot think that because i know he wants to leave we all know he wants to go if he if there was no covid and a big offer came in he'd be gone but to say that and to to i know the context uh, context of the comments were taken out of you know, out of context, should I say. But to say what he said, again, it gives people ammunition. And this is what a Man United player should be saying, what Bruno said. They should shut it down. That's it, done. There's no there's no way that you can misinterpret that. Whether Pogba was taken out of context or not, his comments, that's not the point. The fact is what he said has now caused an issue. Now with Bruno saying this, it gives people who don't like Pogba an extra reason to dislike him. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, it's... It's just an add-up of problems that most of it is overreacted from United fans. Like, I mean, see, let's say we look at Pogba's instance about Real Madrid. Yeah, I do agree with you that um, he would be away. He, he would have been away last summer if it wasn't for um, the the restart, the late restart. Um, but I also, I do agree with you that, um, that Bruno, for example, I think he is literally one of the best players in our team. I don't want the fans to be divided between any players. Expect, I mean, yeah, that you can't have your own opinion on certain players. Like, I mean, that's what podcasts are really for. To no one's going to always agree. Like me and you, we do disagree quite a lot on certain things, but um, we always want the best for the team, and that is what we aim for. And I feel as if Bruno, I think that is kind of the main difference between Bruno and Pogba. Like, I feel as if Bruno is more for the team, and Pogba. Don't I say it, but Paul Buck anymore cares about his own self, like his own self and kind of really what's what's the next step in the future? What am I going to do next year? Um, focus on the game next week, for example, Newcastle. <laughs> and I don't even think he will be at the moment. There's a lot going on in his life. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I, I think Paul will get benched at the weekend. Um, and we also can't 
um, rate Newcastle like low because they've actually been very good recently. Um, and I, I do think that Steve Bruce is actually very, an unsung hero uh, for Newcastle, obviously because it's, because it's Sunderland. Uh, it used to manage Sunderland, but what are your views on uh, Steve Bruce? Do you think he's a good manager? Do you think he's got a good uh, side built up? Uh, with Newcastle, I think there's a lot, lot going on at the club that's positive rather than whenever... I know Mike Ashley is still there, but he seems to be um, bringing you that more money in the club and, and helping them out more. Yeah, look, I think... Um... It's a difficult situation in Newcastle. Like we said, Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley is the equivalent of the Glazers, right? We know the issues there. But actually, they have spent some money and they spent well. When Rafa Benitez left, everybody was up in arms. Oh, no, they're going to go. And Steve Bruce came in and it was absolutely as if it was the worst thing that happened. Look, looking at that side out there, there's a lot of quality that he has at his disposal to hurt United. Callum Wilson, phenomenal signing. So... When I started my preseason uh, preview, I put Newcastle down. Two teams down as my dark horses. Leeds was an obvious one. Newcastle was one. Southampton was the other. And when you look actually at Newcastle's team, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, we spoke about Ryan Fraser before. I mean, two three years ago, he was second in the assist scoring behind Eden Hazard. Yeah, he scored for the weekend for Scotland. No, scored yeah. yesterday for Scotland as well, sorry. Really? Yeah. See, see he's, he's yeah, look, he had a difficult year last year. Bournemouth were poor. We've got to be careful. If they can rekindle that Wilson and Fraser partnership they had two seasons ago at Bournemouth, I mean, that was 14 assists from uh, Fraser. And I think it was nearly, nearly 20 goals from Wilson. Wilson's a fantastic signing. Absolute fantastic signing. Someone who I'd very much happy to see on the bench at Man United instead of Igalo. Obviously, with Cavani now, but he's, I think, he's a fantastic signing. So you look at those two and they've signed a few other players as well. I'm just trying to think the right top of my head. Oh, Jeff Hendrick as well. Workhorse in midfield. And Good player. They've got Alan St. Maximan, who is exactly form recently. And Almiron's sitting on the bench as well. Remember, he's yeah. not playing as much, but they've got quality to come off. John Joe Shelby is a good player as well. In defence, the Longstaff brothers, they'll be back with a bang. Oh, he's back. Matty Longstaff's getting ready. He'll play his one game this season and he'll probably score a hat-trick on that Saturday. But look, looking at that side, the way United are playing, the way they're defending, we got to be very, very careful. I'm not 100% confident we're going to win this. And I agree with you, Steve Bruce is underrated. Because Steve Bruce isn't called Steve Brucinio or something like that, or, you know, Stefan Brucinio, whatever it is, he's not held in the same in the same esteem as say Rafa Benitez Rafa Benitez is a phenomenal manager yes he's ex-Liverpool but he is a very good manager pragmatic but he's a very good manager very good tactician actually Steve Bruce has kind of got a bit more out of the team Rafa used to complain a lot and that's why he left but Steve Bruce has come in he's had so much hate from the fans even though he is one of their own ex-Sunderland is probably one of the main reasons he's come in and he's done a fantastic job and at the end of the day Newcastle have taken points off the big sides. They beat Chelsea, they've beaten Spurs, or they no, they drew with Spurs. United got to be kept. They beat United. <laughs> We've got to be careful. So, I mean, look, tell me what you think about Steve Bruce, and then I want to quickly write the end because we've got one more topic. I want to talk about Oli, sort of Oli in, Oli out. We can talk to talk about that for three or four minutes. Yeah, about Steve Bruce, um, as you said, because he's because he's English and he is pretty old. No, he's not actually that old, but. You know what I mean? He's not your typical football manager. He's been around for a while, though, hasn't he? I mean, he's not managed. like a Marcelo Bielsa-type manager for yeah. the lower league team, for the lower uh, teams in the Premier League. He's got... He, he's, 
but he's got a lot of good players at his disposal and a lot of them have been brought in by him. And Mike Ashley, I don't know how, how he's managed to get Mike Ashley to really pay up for players because it didn't look as if it was happening under Rafa Benitez. But now, I mean, as you said, Callum Wilson's fantastic. I would take him at Manchester United on the bench. He's, he's a top player. Um, very unfortunate to get relegated with Bournemouth, as we all probably know. Um, and Ryan Fraser, yeah, I've, obviously I know quite a lot about Ryan Fraser. He's um, he's obviously been playing for the weekend at, at Scotland and he's been absolutely fantastic. And um, they've got a lot at their disposal. I know Ryan Fraser hasn't had as many minutes, but I do expect him to play at the weekend against uh, United because obviously he's had three good runs at games uh, in the Nations League for, for Scotland. So hopefully we'll... Um, Who's on his side? He's on the right. I think it will be Luke Shaw or Tellez. Who think it will be? Luke Shaw or Tellez out in the left. Look, Ollie, Ollie has to throw the dice. He has to. He has. He has to throw the dice. I mean, look, his each game now is he, it's a must win, whether people like it or not. I mean, I think he'll start with Shaw, but I think he should start with Tellez. What do you think? You shouldn't start with Shaw. I mean, Tellez has been playing. I know. Yeah. Tellez is, is fit. Tellez has played. Why, why, why would you not play him? And this is my, my issue. I mean, let's let's move on to Ollie. I want to touch on him quickly because I think this is probably an area where we do differ. I'm not Ollie out, and you know this, but I think what puzzles me is that the sort of decision tomorrow, for example, Ollie and uh, between Tellez and Shaw. Everyone and their dog knows just play Tellez. Just get just chuck him in there. We need we need something. We need something different. Shaw's not been up to scratch at all. No one's been up to scratch. It's been a very terrible start. But this decisions like this where I think Oli sometimes is too loyal to some players. And I think that that's a problem. Now, I'll start with Tellez. I know you start with Tellez as well. But looking at Oli's situation, you you have to look at things on a broader scale. The past season, he finished third. Whether you rate him or not, that was a fantastic achievement. The positivity, do you remember, going into summer was through the roof. Terrible window. And that's not on him. That's on yeah, the board. The, the players we were talking about over the, over the summer was... Thiago, <laughs> Meccano. Yeah. Sancho, uh, them all. Younger players as well. Your, your, your centre-backs that are a lot younger, but we really didn't get anyone, did we? They, they were wanting... Um, Van Beek's the only one I think that we wanted that we got, and even then, if if Grealish had been relegated with Villa, Grealish would be a United player, and probably Van der Beek might be a Barcelona, possibly maybe Real. If they maybe would have coughed up the money, probably Tottenham actually because they did try and make a last minute bid for him. But looking at looking at what we've seen as the season's gone on, look, December last year, and you know this, we've talked about this. I was just not sure on Oli, and I, I'm still I had the same doubts. Fantastic man manager really good it's a happy it's a happy camp and if anyone says it's not it's rubbish talk to any journalist you know i've had a lot of journalists on my podcast who are very well connected to united this is the happiest the squad has been for seven years it's a happy camp you're seeing reports come out and there are reliable reports saying that there are doubts from the players that he's a top top manager i think that's fair i think that's fair for people to say he's not a top top manager because he's not he's still pretty young in his career like i know he's been a manager for what 
seven, eight years, but he still hasn't been at a club the size of Man United. I, I honestly think if he'd got the job five years later and he'd been able to manage in England with a with a smaller Premier League club and built it up, he could he he'd be much more suited to United right now. But he's been thrown in into a situation where he excelled and got the job. The issue comes, Robbie, when you're looking at the the team that's out there. We can talk about the defense all day, but a midfield of Bruno, Pogba, Van der Beek, Matic, options like that, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, that's very good options. And however you spin it, you have it's a results-based industry. You have to do well. You have to get what get the most out of what is there. These first three or four games, and it is only three or four games, but there's nothing to suggest to me that this is anything but going to go into a downward spiral because of a lot of factors, the negativity from above, the um, the poor start, no preseason, the lack of fitness, and he's not going to be afforded a lot of time, is he, to try and turn this round? They're gonna they're gonna chop him. Yeah, I think he'll even, I think he'll be lucky to get the next four games out of the way, um, and then if he doesn't get sacked, I think if, let's say if we lose against PSG, let's say we don't get enough points against Newcastle, which I could probably see happen tomorrow uh, on uh, Saturday, and We've got uh, Leipzig as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think we've got Chelsea as well. Arsenal and Chelsea, yeah. Arsenal Chelsea and... next weekend, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm losing track because the amount of top games we've got coming up. Um, it's As I say, that it'll be lucky to make it through these games. And I do feel really bad for them. Um, yeah, as you said, that as a result-based business, but the business above wasn't good enough. And it hasn't been for years. And myself and, and you have we've not really spoke about this that much about the Glazers and Woodward and pod in the podcast previous ones, but um I, I'm, I feel as if Ollie is and probably one of the worst jobs just now possible. And there's not much he can do, especially with Cavani not being able to play and um didn't really get Sancho, he didn't get his number one one target and he didn't get a centre-back as well, which he was clearly in the market for. Um, so, yeah, obviously it is quite, um, it's quite annoying, the, the fact that um, he could lose his job after these games. I don't know if you are. Um, obviously, you can tell me what you think about that after this, but if you think that um, basically Ole should lose his job after uh, this next run of games. But personally, I don't think he should. And my reason for that is that he didn't get his players in, as, I, as I've said. He didn't get them in. And Woodward, should he get sacked? Yes. But at the end of the day, Woodward will probably sack Solskjaer by the end of these games. Because, as you said, it's a, it's a result-run business. It's it's so annoying, especially for people like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who absolutely pleased for this club and it's been real he's not going to get anything back is he look you completely agree with everything you've just said and the worst thing is that the person that should be sacked he's failed to four he's failed three three now going to be four managers because i think the inevitable the writing's on the wall wood was failed yet he, he should walk with ollie if ollie has to go because at the end of the day you failed at your job you haven't given the managers the platform to succeed now the way I look at it is I wouldn't be happy Oli's sacked at all because, as you said, we've got a manager that cares for the club. 
where I have, a, I guess, I wouldn't say I'd be happy, but let's say Oli goes, and I, I don't want to go too much into Pochettino. Me and you should do a, an Oli Poch. If Poch comes in, we'll do an Oli and Poch, just me and you, and we'll, we'll thrash it all out. What I will say is that I think for the first time during the succession of managers, when you look at Louis van Gaal, you look at, sorry, Moyes van Gaal, Mourinho, different styles of play. You've gone from a manager who, and Moyes, who shouldn't have got the job in the first place, but he was so used to setting his team up to be more pragmatic because he's not, he never was a manager of the big boys. Then you go to van Gaal, possession-based, dire football. Jose Mourinho, low block, you know he's going to want older players, instant success, sitting deep on the counter. It can work as you're seeing at Tottenham, but you know, you've got to, do exactly what he wants and United weren't prepared to do that. Then you bring in Solskjaer, who's had to reset the club. There has been a cultural reboot. As I said, he had the hardest job of all. He had to clear up seven years of, of a mess. And with COVID now, United's finances are a mess because of the fact that the, the managers before him and the people up above wasted all 1.2 billion. What have we got to show for that? Nothing. We've got nothing. we got no... The best oh. players that have been signed are, are the ones that have actually come in the past two years. Bruno's, Wambasaka. Uh, Donny van der Beek will be one of our best signings we'll make in the, you know, in the last decade. That's how good he'll, he's going to be, in my opinion. Obviously, Martial's been a success. All the other players, Depay, Schneiderlin, Schweinsteiger, they're all gone. Look at Rojo. He's rubbish. And that's the point. They've all wasted the money. You've now got a manager who can finally, who's finally not wasted a, a penny of their money. Even Egalo and Dan James aren't wasting the money. They weren't a lot of money, you know. Not, no one's really flopped. Yeah, And yeah. yet... He's, he's not actually... He's actually sorted the club out in a sense. He's managed to get rid of so many deadwood players. I mean, you look at it, he managed to get rid of Andres Pereira. I don't know, obviously, if the deal will be made at the end of the year, but £27 million he's managed to get out of that. And you look yeah. at other players, like, for example, Phil Jones, who, because of a poorly ran club and a poorly ran model, we look at it and we've got Jones, Rojo, I'm trying to think of other names, uh, Jesse Lingard, I probably put him on that list as well. They're literally stuck at the club because no one wants to pay their high wages. And that's the problem, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we, all, we always come back to these points where we, we spend too much money on all these players in the past and it's came back to bite us. And now we're finally, Ole is now finally managing to get rid of most of them. And I feel as if next year, if, probably I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think Ole will be in the job next year. Uh, look, uh, Robbie, I don't think he's going to be in the job come the end of October. Well, yeah. well no, no, it's, it may, maybe maybe by the end of October. <laughs> That's I didn't realise how, how this year's gone so quickly. I didn't realise it's already like the 16th or something. Okay, I, I think, look, he if he loses against Newcastle, he could even lose his job then. Seriously. The way I look at it is this, mate, is that at the end of the day, yes, 100% been let down. And it's the last thing I'm going to say. I'll let you have the last words because you've got to wrap up. But 100% been left uh, let down. What's the barometer of success? What was my barometer of success for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? I didn't have high hopes because how can you expect him to win anything with, with this structure and setup? But the question is, has he left the club in a better position than when he took over? If he goes to walk smart? Yes, 100% yes. This is a good squad. It's got deficiencies in defence, but he's done a fantastic job weeding out the people that need to be there that he, had, that he could get rid of. No one can get rid of Phil Jones when he's on that wage. What I will say is that He's a manager, and I always say this in every podcast I do, not only out, but he's a manager that gets you from A to B. He's done a fantastic job to get us to where we are. But I don't think he's good enough tactically to get you from B to C. Fantastic man manager, 
but he's got to develop that side of his game. The best thing he could have done is bring in a proper, proper good number two and got rid of Phelan. I love Mickey Phelan, but he's old school. We need He needed someone who was tactically on point, who was a bit more modern, a bit more progressive. Ollie did. Ollie needed that. Now, Pochettino, for me, is a fantastic manager. People can talk about no trophies. I don't want to talk about that today because that will be here forever. Whatever. But actually thinking about the transition and looking at the style of plays and the squad, and it's still a young squad. It's a very young squad. 24 years of age was the average age, the youngest in the, last, in the league last year. I think that transition from Oli to Pochettino would be fantastic. If the manager isn't going to be Poch, then don't make them change. But if there's a possibility, because remember, City aren't doing so well. Guardiola might be off. He'll be a target there. If United feel like Oli's not up to the job, and I think if you lose your next two games, you've got to have consideration. I don't want us to be out of every single competition and then the next manager has to clean up the mess. United need to act. You either back him or you don't. But if Poch comes in, I think that's a that's a really good appointment. And for the first time in eight years or seven years, United are making the right appointment because Mourinho should have never got the job. Van Hal should never have got the job. Pochettino should have probably got the job, but Ancelotti should have got it after Moyes. So that's kind of my my opinion. I'll give you the last couple of minutes to give your opinion, and then we'll wrap up, Robbie. Yeah, it feels as if um, Ollie's just not in a good situation just now at all because of the way they've left him at the end of this window. I mean, see, even if you look at um, the Ahmad Traore Diallo, sorry, I don't really know his name that well. I've never heard him, as I said, never heard him before that day. Um, and the deal couldn't even get done. So we've not even got him until January, who probably won't even get into our first team. And then you look at Pellistri, who really, yeah, probably on paper, good signing from Uruguay. What really what is what can go wrong? Um he's young, he's he's actually got a wee bit of experience playing. Uh, but then you look at obviously Cavani. I mean I, I know we've disagreed with Cavani and the whole model. Obviously, I don't think he's the right man for United, um, especially not the the legendary number seven. I feel as if that is. We were actually going to talk about this earlier on, but I think we might we managed to talk about Steve Bruce instead, which is completely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I feel as if number seven should be kept for the right player, the right model of player, and I think there's only one player in the club as of now who could fill a number seven role when it has Rashford. And I don't think it's Cavani. Um, I was praying for Jaden Sancho obviously to come in and take that number, but I don't know if it is. I mean, you'll probably think maybe it is just I'm disappointed and then, oh, wait, we've got Cavani in the last day. Either, what annoyed me about Cavani actually was the fact that we could have got him nine months ago. 100%, yeah. I'm related to the last day of the season. That's why it looks like a panic buy, doesn't it? It looks like you didn't get Sancho, so now you just bought Cavani in. Yeah. yeah. So we'll spend the 90 million elsewhere over a long period of time. Because, I mean, Traore didn't even manage to get his, I think it was something to do with issues with his passport. Yeah, he work did. permit. Yeah, because it was done the last day. But as you look at, I know Sir Alex Ferguson was a complete different breed, but he got all his dealings done right at the very start of the window. Him and David Gill, who... I mean, see if you look at David Gill compared to uh, Ed Woodward just now. Wow. Like, we need football men involved up from top to bottom. Yeah, we do have it between, like, Phelan, Solskjaer, down down at the lower levels, obviously, of the, the big pyramid of United. But I mean, if you look higher, there's absolutely no one anymore. 
and it's a complete culture change which the fans really haven't got over and I'm crying out for change. I don't know who, I don't think it will be a new director of football or CEO, but I don't even know who I choose. Patrice Evra, he always comes out and talks about United. Like I don't, I don't know if I like that either. But um... it's a mess, Robbie. It's an absolute mess. And look, we've got to wrap up. But um, look, we can talk about Cavani at another time. I think Cavani, for me, sort of final word on it is that. It's not signing I have an issue with if Sancho came in. You know, it's a, it's a good signing because you look at the bench and you think, okay, who do I want? Cavani or Igalo? Cavani will end up starting by the end of the season, I think. You look at the starting lineup. I think it's all about him keeping fit. Obviously, a talented player, but again, he hasn't been fit for a long time. And there is worries when he did come back, is he didn't look he don't did not look right. So he didn't play in the Champions League, obviously for PSG because he wanted to get fit. Apparently, it was he had COVID as well, so that's another thing. But Look, Robbie, I'm going to get asked for your prediction for the game on Saturday. Honestly, I, 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 I'm going to say we're going to win. I'm going to say 2-1. I think um, I think we'll just about do it. And fingers crossed because we don't want... It, it's, it, it, look, Twitter will absolutely break if we if we lose. Yeah, I'll probably go for 2-1 as well. I know it's quite obviously a safe one as you went for it, but I can imagine Newcastle scoring. I, I, I was going to say one now, but we definitely will not keep a clean sheet. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, a bit optimistic. Obviously, going for two goals, <laughs> especially with the striker that we'll probably end up with. Um, not saying Nicaragua's terrible, but I mean he's not not United level, is he? No, not at all, mate. And uh, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. We been saying we'd do this for a long time I'm so happy we did we know we went a bit over time but you know what i always love talk, talking football with you we could have spoken for hours couldn't we robbie where can everyone find you on twitter and uh you've got some exciting news haven't you coming up obviously you're not going to announce it yet but um tell tell the listeners where they can find you and uh yeah how excited are you about this news yeah so it's um on twitter it's just at united speaks and yeah obviously i've been working on well i say obviously no one knows about it but um me and a group of guys have been working on a new project basically um, where we're looking to branch out on uh, loads of different platforms um, and basically interact with as many of my United fans as possible, get them on podcasts and hopefully do something similar along as uh, the way Hyder's done where he's managed to get a good base and constantly grow. That's the aim. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and, and no clickbait rubbish and uh, look, Robbie's a really great guy. Really, look, his football knowledge is brilliant. He doesn't overreact. He's he backs the team. He backs the manager, which is a which is something you don't see enough. Uh, you know, we're all guilty of it from time to time. But look, Robbie, absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for joining me today, and to all the listeners, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I haven't decided when this is going to come out. We're recording this on Thursday evening, so it could be tomorrow, it could be even Saturday because we're playing in the evening, so maybe it'd be a good day to release it then. So make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, give Robbie a follow as well because he has some great tweets.